The Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder, Boulder. For over 15 years, First Bite, Boulder County's Restaurant Week, has illuminated the local food scene, becoming one of the most popular restaurant events in Colorado. Taking over the event in 2019, executive producer Jessica Benjamin launched a new program, bringing together 68 local organizations to deepen the connection locals have to their community. With her vision, First Bite saw a more than 40% increase in diners, delivering an impact of over a half a million dollars to Boulder County. In 2020, as the pandemic began ravaging our restaurant industry, Jessica pivoted First Bite and produced A Bite of Boulder, a limited-run cookbook featuring over 40 recipes from 30 local restaurants. With at least 50% of proceeds going back to the participating restaurants, First Bite brought together diners, chefs, and the whole community through cooking at home with flavors from Boulder's best eateries. Here with me today on the Boulderista podcast is our very own local influencer, Jessica Benjamin. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me, Sherry. Thank you. And Jessica is uh, in Idaho, so she's calling in today. It's our very first call-in show. Happy to be here, even uh, staying connected to Boulder, even from afar. <laughs> That's right. And it's it's very much on trend with, you know, us in our Zoom bubbles these days with the pandemic. So I'm so glad you can join me virtually. Thanks for having me. So you were uh, Irish and Italian from New York, or yeah. rather your parents are from New York, and they moved to Colorado just before you were born. And sure. getting to know you for the interview, it struck me that those cultural influences have a huge impact on how you show up in the world today. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, as all cultures do, food is such a big presence at family, family gatherings and celebrations. And for us and our family, you know, we, my parents had moved to Colorado and we're the only ones here and they both came from big, big families. And so most of my childhood was spent traveling back to visit them. And each of those visits was really marked by the family coming together and food and conversation and wine as we got older and, you know, just this one big, it's what brought people together and was really, you know, the, the added piece of the celebration. Yeah, I love this um, imagery of you, you know, visiting like local delis and delis and bakeries and meat markets and things like that. And just sort of learning and growing a passion for food. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, especially in the 80s, Colorado didn't have much of that cultural influence of food, um, at least in the sense of Italian and Irish uh, Italian, like New York does. Um, so when we would go back, it was almost like, you know, this festival that you'd walk into and there's separate places to buy food and it just was so fresh and everyone was speaking different languages and, you know, we just didn't get that here. And so it was just this magical experience. And certainly as a kid, you always want a taste and a snack of things. Um, you know, my dad would always break open the bread before we even got to the car. It was a really great, you know, just way to really be immersed in the food experience, tasting things, but also then seeing where does it really come from and who are these people and 
you know, we're, you know, learning about their families and their, their kids running around or helping at the bakery and that kind of stuff. So it was, it really spoke to me about how it deep in family connections, when you're invested in food and you're part of that food system, how it becomes part of your everyday life. Yeah. And so you grew up in Colorado and you ended up coming to Boulder, um, first to go to CU. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I came up in 2004. Nice. And so you're here in C- at CU um, and you started growing roots working in the industry, like restaurants on Pearl Street. Tell me about that. Well, you know, like any college student came to town and realized I needed a job for maybe beer money or, you know, having some fun. And, you know, in high school, I had worked at a couple of restaurants and actually an Italian butcher shop as well. Um, and so I had wanted to just stay in that industry. I loved, you know, hospitality and working with food and people. And so I was walking Pearl with a friend, you know, just putting my resume out. And I walked into a quiet building. Um, it was between shifts and it was actually the kitchen. And unbeknownst to me, you know, they had just opened previously that year. Um, This was kind of that fall I had applied. And by January, I was working for them. And what was amazing is that first crew at the kitchen was really this intimate crowd of of people who were so dedicated to the mission um, of being this local eatery and supporting local farmers. And, you know, we stayed really close as a group of people who worked there. But then you got to know the farmers. You know, I've known Ann Pure for 15 years. And you know, to, to witness her daughters being born and growing up now to teenagers. Like it's a really cool, um, just unit that was created. And, um, from working there, I kind of pivoted as the marketing manager and as they started to grow really quickly and hosting some events upstairs, which was such, it's still such an amazing event space. Um, and in that I kind of got the event seed planted in me and knew that that was what I wanted to do. And so as college ended, I went and searched for more um, traditional like corporate meeting event jobs. Those were really um, hiring well. Um, but as the you know recession hit in 2008, um, I was hired by a, a small firm in Boulder. Um, and I just kind of moved up quickly running their corporate meeting events. So I got that experience, but I was definitely missing that local connection um, as I was traveling around doing that all over the world. Hmm. And so you're able to reconnect when you get this opportunity to um, buy into um, this event. So tell me about First Bite and how you came to own it. Well, um, you know, from that original unit at the kitchen, one of the people who worked there was Kate LaCroix. She was their PR manager at the time. And her and I stayed in touch through the years. And she's the founder of First Bite, her and Josh Diner. And so um, as she kind of ran it through the years, um, as she and I had stayed in touch, she just felt like it was time for her to move on and do something fresh. And she knew that I was involved with events locally. I owned my own event company at that point and was working with the restaurants. So she reached out to me and we talked for a couple months just about what it looked like and what its potential was. And, um, you know, I had a one-year-old at the time. So it was a time that I was kind of debating what I needed to do professionally to support my family. Um, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old, so it was a lot. So, um, yeah, I took the, the reins March 2019 and dove in full full steam ahead. So it's been exciting. 
Um, so tell me how you, you, you shifted it because it sounds like you kind of created a new program behind it when you took over. So what was it then? And what is it now? Um, well, obviously the pandemic has affected us, but what did you create? Yeah. Well, you know, first by, um, the Boulder County restaurant week, it's been 15 years now. So it's been this institution. Everybody knows what restaurant week is. It's an opportunity to go to restaurants, get a meal, usually for a discount or for a really good value. And, you know, it's this exciting, buzzy week um, that happens, um, you know, different cities. I've been lucky enough to even travel to other cities when their restaurant week is happening. So it's always a fun time. And so it was a really successful event for the whole time that they've been running it. Um, When I took it on, the one thing that I felt as a diner that I wanted to experience more and that I enjoyed was the stories and the more intimate connections with the restaurants. Sometimes you'd go to a restaurant and it wouldn't quite be that same experience as a regular Friday night. It felt a little lacking in service or the food wasn't quite a hundred percent. And so, you know, it kind of felt like maybe you start to avoid restaurant week. And that was what I definitely didn't want um, restaurant week in Boulder to be known for. Um, and also some of the feedback from the restaurants was just that same feeling of they were overwhelmed. They were getting diners that weren't interested in coming back. They were kind of one hit wonders looking for a discount. And again, that's not the environment and the ecosystem that we want in our food community. We want that intimate connection and to, to be invested emotionally in the food, in the people, in the experience. And so for me, I just wanted First Bite to kind of be revitalized and to have more of that experience for both the diner and the restaurant. So how did so, you tie in nonprofits? So last year, basically, the, the I have a big background in nonprofits. Um, that's what throughout my time traveling, that's what really kept me tied locally to the community. And I know how much they depend on the restaurant community. You know, every nonprofit is asking restaurants for support in events or donations. And so there was already this existing um, tie and thread between the two communities. But I really wanted to highlight that for the more common diner. Mm. And so what I created was um, two for Tuesday. It was the Tuesday night um, all of the restaurants committed to um, asking diners for a $2 donation. And a lot of them actually gave their own profits that night as well. And we selected five nonprofits in the community that do amazing work in different areas. And then created this, you know, really mutual um, marketing connection to highlight these nonprofits and highlight the restaurants and bring the, maybe if you're a nonprofit supporter, you didn't realize, oh, this restaurant supports them. I should go eat at that restaurant. So it was a really organic process to, to raise the money and, and more more awareness for them. Yeah. And it definitely, you know, increases that community bond where, you know, we're supporting each other. With... Absolutely. So... Little did I know that that would actually, you know, was the beginning of what 2020 would look like for, you know, in reality. <laughs> exactly. So that totally set you up for this pivot, which um, what a brilliant way you know, to bring that foodie experience into the home when we, that's all we could do was stay home. Talk about um, the inspiration and the book. Well, the inspiration, you know, when uh, right around this time of year is when I'm starting to plan for the following fall. So we were getting ready um, and had that momentum, but as the pandemic hit and restaurants really, you know, we immediately saw the hit that they were taking. um, I knew that restaurant week wasn't feasible in the same way that I had done it. 
And what I found myself doing as my own home home cook and, uh, you know, wanting to stay involved was following a lot more chefs on Instagram and, you know, trying to cook new meals. You know, as a mom, you understand you're cooking 7,000 meals a week and it's exhausting. It's a lot of work. And so, you know, I found actually chef Jennifer Jasinski. She's the owner and head chef of Rioja and Stoic and Genuine. So she has a great Instagram and she had posted a ricotta gnocchi video that she just really quickly whips up ricotta gnocchi and she makes it look effortless of course, and delicious. And it really didn't take much time. And so I saved it and I, I made that a few times. And then my husband and I were re- reflecting on our visits with the, those restaurants. And I just kind of realized that there was a way to connect and stay connected to these restaurants, even if you're not going in and dining in. Um, Obviously, we're trying to eat out as much as you can, but that's still missing that intimate connection with them. So um, I talked to a couple of the chefs and restaurants who I'm closer with, and they loved the idea of the cookbook. Um, I was hesitant. I didn't know how, how many recipes people would be willing to give up, but they were so excited. So they really jumped on And it literally took me only one week to fill my 30 slots. Um, Knowing, yeah, I was really blown away at the support and the enthusiasm from the chefs to participate in this and to get their story out there and to find another way to connect with diners. Do you have a favorite recipe from that book? I know I'm putting you on the spot. You are. (laughs) No, I, you know, I, I'm so, I, I explained the process for us to answer that kind of backwards. In building the book, I actually took the the reins off and I said to the chefs, like, you give me whatever you want. I didn't want to go in asking for certain recipes or um, certain number of appetizers, entrees, desserts. I just wanted to see what they wanted to give in that moment. And so I was so blown away at the variety of recipes we received, both in cuisine and technique um, or, you know, really light appetizers to some really ornate dinners. And so in building the book, um, mentors of mine who had advised me on how to write a cookbook, particularly in a really short period of time, one of the things they said was make sure you cook every recipe because chefs are notorious for cooking for, you know, 30 people. Mm. And so sometimes the recipe would say three cups of flour and it really was three tablespoons of flour. Okay. You know, I had to cook most of the recipes to make sure they were, um, you know, on point and correct and, and doable, um, that the language made sense. So in the cooking of them, um, I have cooked several over and over, So I can say that the root vegetable latkes are one of my favorite recipes because it's, you know, fresh produce. It's a great way to get my kids to eat vegetables. And it's a meal that was fairly simple to assemble. And then there was leftovers after dinner. And I, the next morning, put an egg on top of it and made breakfast. It was awesome. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Right? They're fantastic. You had me at put an egg on it. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. So those were really good. You know, I've made the bacon, onion, apple jam for burgers. We have burgers as a family sometimes. So those are really good. Yeah, this summer we had just an abundance of cucumbers from our garden. And so we made the chimera cucumber dish several times. It's a great snack and lunch. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I am really excited to dig into this cookbook and, you know, bring the flavors of our community into the home um, with yeah. two littles. It's it's tough for me to get out, you know, to eat. Absolutely. Before the pandemic, it was tough, you know. Um, so I'm really excited because um, yeah. you have so many of these great local restaurants 
that are, you know, institutions here in Boulder. And Absolutely. we need to support them. We need to support them. We need to support them. And what I think was important that I realized in this process was that, um, you know, all of us have connections to different restaurants for different reasons. You know, you have memories of going and having fun evenings or special celebrations. And I think this pandemic has been isolating for all of us. But one of the things that I felt was really moving through the book is that this is a, a reminder that we belong so many other places and that we, our communities have these threads and these portals and all, all these other places around our, our city and um, belonging somewhere else feels really important right now. And I think um, Sarah Carpenter was one of the writers on the project. She helped do some contributing and she helped give really beautiful context to each restaurant and their own story and their own culture and food and just reading through those over and over gives me that, you know, dose of nostalgia and memory of what dining as a group and as a community felt like and hope that we can do that again soon. Yes. And then outside of First Bite, you also work with Garden to Table. What, what is the Grow Foundation and Garden to Table? Yeah, we, we started as the Grow Foundation. We've just recently rebranded to Garden to Table. Um, we are a nonprofit in Boulder County that has curriculum tied to Boulder Valley School District and elementary schools where kids um, have experiential learning. They go out, every student in a school will go out and work in the garden and will have their curriculum tied in the garden. So it's a pretty amazing program. We impact about 9,000 students every year. And we are also going on 15 years. So we have students now that started at the kindergarten level and are now in college. And it's just an incredible um, thing to have witnessed for that long and to see year in and year out people have this or kids having a realization of where food comes from and what a carrot out of a garden tastes like. It does taste different than a grocery store carrot. So um, it's pretty, pretty fulfilling. Yeah, what a, a wonderful way to get like outside education, right? Especially yeah. now in COVID where we're inside with our masks. Um, it's so important. And um, well, we had Aaron Perry from Why on Earth on our show mm -hmm. last time. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how, you know, when you get your hands in the dirt, there are actually all of these, you know, microorganisms Absolutely. that are healing us as we're doing yeah. this. So yeah. it's such a great way to educate our children. Yeah. And I, I think kids, you know, kids, especially, they're just such sponge to that. Um, they're so curious to that. But I think what's been fulfilling witnessing as the collective experience, our community responds so much to that. And we are very enthusiastic as a community about where does our food come from? How do we grow it? And, you know, seeing the support, particularly this year, where people were really realizing that the food system and the food chains were breaking this year. You know, the farmers grow a lot of food for our restaurants. And so as people realized that that was a disconnect, the farmers saw a lot of support coming out to their different farm stands, um, coming out to the farmer's market and trying to buy our food local because a lot of nutrients can get lost when you're buying food 3000 miles away. Um, and you're, you know, spreading the money out. So economically and health wise, it makes a lot uh, better, more sense. And it supports us a lot more if we can buy food local and, you know, eat organic food that's grown here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boulder is such a wonderful place to be because of that connection that we have to our land, yeah. especially. Yeah. So yeah. speaking on Boulder, um, 
I'm in real estate and I always love to highlight neighborhoods in Boulder. Which neighborhood do you live in? I live um, up in Highland Park in Table Mesa. Um, it's kind of on the northwest um, corner of Table Mesa. And so that's up by NCAR, is that right? It is, yeah. It's A lot of people will drive up and then park in the neighborhood so we can drive right there. So it feels pretty lucky to just drive, walk up the street and mm-hmm. be on trail. Yeah. So why do you like living in that neighborhood? You know, my husband and I have always lived in South Boulder um, for the last 12 years. South Boulder is this like quiet, very accessible neighborhood. Um, I think it's, I love Boulder. I love Pearl Street. I love all the different neighborhoods. Um, I don't love traffic. And so for us having family in Denver and South Denver and the mountains, it was important always to have a quick access to um, be able to go see people, go to the mountains go explore Denver. We love Denver nightlife. So um, South Boulder really for us has always been just a great portal for that. And now, you know, raising kids, we have amazing schools in this neighborhood. It's really, we've been there for 12 years. It's really evolving to have a really family friendly, a lot more neighbors have kids. Um, People are out playing in the neighborhood and we have this amazing access to nature where regularly my you know we call it the bear cam on our trash cans we'll have bears and raccoons and mountain lions and bobcats but it's it's a fun intersection of all the parts of boulder that we really love yeah it is great and we've got um a whole foods going in in that neighborhood too so that'll be great for you know shopping locally as well Yes. Yes. I always want more restaurants in there. Every time there's an opening in that shopping center, I wish for like a sushi restaurant or sushi would be nice there. Yeah. We had Mexican a while, like 12 years ago, 15 years ago. So I'd love some, some different uh, cuisines would be awesome, but we have great restaurants already. I love tandoori. I think that's. Yes. Yes. Live and die tandoori. And also under the sun has been a great addition Mm -hmm. since they came in about four or five years ago. Oh yeah. Um, And so I I love this because I asked you, um, you know, we mentioned that U.S. News and World Report called Boulder the number one best place to live and Nat Geo also Mm -hmm. called it the happiest city in the United States. I love it. You pointed out that we are also the foodiest city in America. (laughs) I like to still hold on to that title. (laughs) Yes, totally. It was 2010, but I think it still applies. So, you know, coming full circle, why do you live here? Why do you love Boulder? Oh, Boulder just has my whole heart. I mean, it, as I said, and why my family is here for the long haul, like it really is that perfect intersection of nature and good values and um, smart people who really care about each other and this incredible community and great food and experiencing different events. It's just this amazing um circle of people. And, you know, there's nothing like coming together in different moments. I think this year has really shown us that, that the support we have for each other um, has no bounds. And when people are in trouble, be it the floods from 2013 or the fires this summer, everyone comes out and everyone knows that they can help in some way, some small way, some big way. And it's been really incredible to witness that, to be part of that and, um, you know, to raise kids in that. It's true. We do rally around each other here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's an American spirit that I I have hope for today that continues. But I'm particularly proud of Boulder for that. Yeah. And not to get too political, but um, I feel very inspired by this new administration. We had the inauguration yesterday, so I'm still kind of high off of those vibes. 
Yep, same, absolutely. <laughs> so let's um, tell folks where they can find out more about you. Maybe you can plug your Instagram page or however they can find you, the book and learning about First Bite. Yeah, well, First Bite, you know, we are this evolving uh, little little small business. We do hope to plan a restaurant week this fall. Um, so we're going to wait and see how the world evolves for a few months. But, um, you know, more information will come out this spring for that. You can always be part of our website, firstbiteboulder.com. We have a newsletter that goes out every six to eight weeks, depending on how on the ball I am. <laughs> and we're very active on social media. So at First Bite Boco is both our First Bite and our, or our Facebook and Instagram page. Um, we are always sharing recipes and stories and, um, you know, different things. We like to support our community events that are happening. Um, so that's a great way to follow and be part of our, our community and the cookbook. We, we still have a few copies left. We are only doing the single print run. So when we do run out, we're done. Um, we, you can buy them on our website and that's where most, you know, 50% of the proceeds from this book goes back to the restaurants. So that's where most of the money will go back to them. But we are also honored to have the support of a lot of our retailers in town. So Boulder bookstore, peppercorn, cured, savory spice, um, and Sweet Ruckus Gifts are all selling the book. And we have a lot of fun events coming up to engage with the book um, that we'll be announcing through our portals soon. So a bite of Boulder was recognized as one of the gifts of the year, being the only item to be ranked on all the top front range gift guides. So 5280 Westward Magazine, 303 Magazine, and Denver Post. So please get your copy and gift it to yourself or gift it to a friend. And Valentine's Day is coming. That's Mother's right. Day or <laughs> and, and bring these restaurants into your home. Bring these stories into your heart and support our local food community, which so needs us right now. We do. We do. You know, one of my mottos is always food is love. And how better than to show each other the love right now than to share some food or send them some food and some recipes as well. Well, thank you, Jessica, for sharing your story with us today. Between your partnerships with local eateries and nonprofits and your ability to deepen connections within our community, you have helped to keep our local food scene alive and oh, our people you. connected to not only the food, but the stories and the love behind them. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And go out and buy that book. Sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you for listening to the Boulderista podcast, produced by Eric and Sherry Figueroa and recorded at Soundspace Studio in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Gratitude to our generous listeners that help us sustain the show by sharing, subscribing, and donating. Please consider supporting us by making a small monthly donation on our anchor page. We'd love to hear from you guys. So hit us up on social at The Boulderista. Until next episode, stay happy, Boulder.